It's good to be back. I've missed you. I can say that in all honesty and all sincerity. I missed you. Um, even though it was only two weeks, it seemed like it was a year ago. Um, it was in some cases, but I know. A lame joke. All right. I'm sorry. Apologize now. It's part of that New England, you know, sarcasm, and it comes out, and it'll come out probably for a little while longer, but, but I did. I really did. I missed her itching greatly. Now, I don't know if this expression's in Minnesota or not, but were your ears burning or itching? Because guess what? I was, I was talking about you. A lot of people are asking about, so what's that church like in Minnesota? What are they like in, you know, those Minnesotians? And, and how is the church there? And how are they doing? And I can, in all honesty, said, I had nothing but good things to say about you. No, it's hard to believe. Some of you are like, really? No. In all seriousness, nothing but good things. And this is a, for me, was a chance to, to brag upon you, but also, you know, to, to, to reflect on our church family. And, and, you know, the great thing is I was gone for two Sundays and things kept going. Things went well. There were some problems that arose. And guess what? They got taken care of. Uh, some things appeared. That, that weren't here when I left. There's a keyboard up there now that looks really good. And Heidi, I know it was part of that. And Dave and Bryce and many as far as getting that up. And, and I'm not sure about this thing, though. Where'd this come from? This must be, I mean, I'm not quite old enough to use that yet. I don't know, it's kind of like an old man's chair. Sorry, Bob. I, I, <laughs> I listened to Bob's message, and I know why the chair was here. And so... Um, it was really good. And that was even an encouragement to be able to go online and listen to the messages. Thank you, Bryce. Thank you, Bob, for filling in and, and giving great messages. And thank you folks for continuing the work here. And so I do that in all humility, say thank you. And uh, it is great to be able to brag upon our church family here and how things just continue on. And that is a sign of a good, healthy church. So that being said, this morning's message we're going to start a new series in the book of First Peter. Bob, I was listening, the New Testament, about reading through. And so it was already in the works, but, but you confirmed that about how it's good to read God's Word. I also heard in Bob's message that he said that Charlie only does about half a chapter, and in order to do it, I'd have to be here a long time to even get through the New Testament. So I would encourage you to continue to read uh, reading plans. I'm glad to see that many of you are taking up that challenge. And if you didn't listen to all your message, uh, go online and listen to that. But he challenges to get in God's Word. And if all you're getting is Sunday mornings, that's not enough. I'll just I'll, I'll confess that. It's not enough. I can't give you enough on a Sunday morning. It's not my job to give you that. You need to be reading through the week, talking to God, praying all throughout the week. We need it day by day and sometimes moment by moment. So I want to encourage you to do that. Um, First Peter, interesting letter. When I say the word Peter, yes, he's authored this book, but what do you think of when you think of Peter? What's your first thought that comes to mind when I say Peter? He denied the Lord three times, yeah. What else? Anything else? What else? He was outspoken. Yeah, he was bold. He's very outspoken. Anything else? What else do you think about Peter? Impulsive. Yeah, that's a good one. That's, that one comes up a lot, right? Remember, he's the fisherman that jumped out of the boat and started walking, which that doesn't make any sense. And again, there wasn't ice. He, you know, it, it, he actually walked out on the, on the water, at least for a little ways. But those are the things that we, and that's the normal things about Peter. But guess what? When he writes this letter, he's much older. It's, life has gone on, life experiences. He's become more of a pastor 
when he writes this. This is actually, this letter is written near the end of his life, somewhere in the, the 60 AD, and he's older. He's matured a little bit. Now, that's always the hope. And again, you can be praying for your pastor. There's hope that he may mature eventually and get beyond things and, and grow. Um, but for all of us, you know, yes, there's this simple fact that as we age and as we grow through life, that we should mature. Not only physically, but we should be maturing spiritually as well. And First Peter gives us a little glimpse, and not a whole story. We only get portions of it. But we get a glimpse in First Peter that Peter's matured a little bit. He's come a long ways in his faith. He's not as rash. He's not as, I don't say it's not as bold, but he tempers it a little bit more. And there's a more loving, kindness, pastoring, shepherd spirit when he's writing in this letter. And this letter, by the way, is full of hope. Now, I know we went through Advent season and worked through those things. And guess what? We actually missed hope because we weren't here that Sunday. That was a snowstorm and we skipped. Um, this would have been a great passage to use for that. Actually, the whole letter talks about hope. In fact, Peter's often referred to as uh, the hope apostle. Unlike John, who's the love apostle, and Paul, justification, he's a little bit, a little bit deeper in his teaching, and probably some sanctification as well. Paul's a little bit harder to define, but Peter is that of hope, that encouragement. And so hopefully, I'm just planting those things in your mind, because you'll maybe be able to see some of that First, by work through this, because we're going to be in this for a little while. We're going to work through First Peter, and uh, we'll go verse by verse like we normally do. It'll be a series. And so I would encourage you to continue to read it, uh, read it through a couple of times, and again, you'll figure out pretty quick where we're going to be each week. Uh, one of the other things I like about Peter is um, it's not only, hey, here's what's going on, but here's what we got to do about it. It's very applicable to today and our circumstances today. And so... As we begin and we work through 1 Peter, um, if you will, read with me, or it'll be up on the screen as well. And I kind of jump right into it this morning. But Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, Pedosia, alien in the world scattered throughout, Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God, the Father, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and sprinkling by his blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. This is the opening of the letter, right? And this is the, the opening that would be read to the churches. And churches, as in this was meant to be circulated around. This isn't just for one group. This was meant to be read in different areas and as it was passed along. With The greeting is, is interesting as well as um, it opens up with a lot. That opening kind of sets the tone for a lot of it. A, Peter, as the apostle, he, he clearly states that. Believe it or not, First Peter is one of the, the, the letters that's not debated a lot, who the author is. That one's kind of, they, they don't really, there's not much debate. There's a lot of other ones that they debate who wrote it, and I think that becomes a sidetrack. But really, Peter is not denied here through tradition uh, that Peter is the author. And again, as we know him, and he starts off with God's elect and aliens or strangers, depending on your, 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 transition, your uh, translation. Interesting, right? An alien, stranger, right? A stranger. You ever think of yourself as a stranger? You know, in a foreign land, you're, that's what, you know, we think of aliens, we think of um, people that don't belong there. 
Of course, in our current climate, we think of illegal immigration, and we, and we get into that whole political side of things. But here, Peter's talking about, on a spiritual sense, that we are, as Christians, we're an alien. We're just here temporarily. We're just passing through. Might give you a little different perspective on, on citizenship if you look at it from through that lens. I, I like what Heidi even said this morning about, you know, beyond Minnesota. You know, and again, Minnesota's great, but there's a, there's a world beyond it. In fact, we, we went to China this morning looking at those folks there. And that's a tough place to be, right? And our missionaries, certainly, they understand they're in a foreign land. They're, they're in a place where they're, they're, it's not where they were brought up. Things are not, they're normal. They don't necessarily feel comfortable in that area. And as believers, we need to be kind of in the same boat. We shouldn't be comfortable in the world that we live in and those things around us. It can be a little bit unsettling, right? Because we all like comfort, we like familiarity, we like things to be calm and peaceful, right? And those aren't bad things. But in a way, as a believer, if we're that comfortable in the world, then something we need to check. We're not quite fulfilling what God created us to do. It's not part of our purpose. So I think Peter actually starts off right at the beginning, kind of setting the tone. And again, these folks knew many of these folks had been dispersed. Many of these churches had people that were Jews that had been pushed out of their land. As believers, they had been pushed out. The Romans had pushed them out. They had been moved around. Even as some of the Gentiles, they had moved around in that society. So they were a foreigner in their own land. And so they would identify with this. And again, Peter's talking spiritually as well. As as believers, we don't fit in. It's interesting as he names these places, I did a little bit of research on them, and again, this, these areas are actually in what would be northern Turkey today, which is kind of interesting in a way, because if you think about northern Turkey today, it's predominantly Muslim. There's a very little Christian presence in those areas. And if you think about those folks in those churches, probably thought those churches would be there, they would flourish, that would be just mad revival in there. And now as we look back quite a few years down the road, there's no sign of many of those churches. There's nothing there to mark it. So again, it's a reminder. It should be a reminder to us that, you know, be thankful that we have that freedom here now, and this church is here, they'll always be, if God tarries. And so, as a reminder, also, it's interesting in the, 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 the way the progression goes. When I did the research about these cities, it would be the normal route and way to travel. It actually kind of helps authenticate the book. That was the normal route. If you were traveling through those areas, you would go to each of those cities in that order. Just like if I wanted to go from here to, to Pequot, right? I'd go from Baxter to Brainerd to Nisswa to Pequot, right? I wouldn't jump around. I certainly wouldn't go over to Staples and see Bob because that doesn't really take me there or Pillager to go see Tony. That, that's, that's out of the way. But these cities are actually on the route and the order is in the route that Peter would have traveled. The other interesting fact, too, is that Peter is the only one that mentions a lot of these places. Most likely, Paul didn't go up into that area, that northern side. So as they were dividing up territories, they were moving around as missionaries. And again, they were contemporaries, but they didn't always travel in the same circles. And Peter is one that we do know that traveled up there, that we don't have any record of Paul being up there. Not that that's a conflict, because they're teaching very much the same thing, but in a different manner and to different people. So again, the gospel is being spread through 
different areas. Interesting, too, he talks about God's elect and the foreknowledge of God. It can be, be unsettling for some, and some like to argue that out. How does, if God knows everything, then what's the point of us doing anything, right? No, just because God knows it, that's because that's who God is. We don't know that. We don't know his will and his purpose, and so we need to ask that. I really don't have that, that much of a struggle with that, but some folks do, knowing that we have an all-knowing God. And he knows our choices and what we're going to make and, and the wrong and the, the good and the outcome of that. Again, that's the God that we, we serve. He also mentions Jesus Christ, the Spirit. He ties them all nicely in together, the, the three. Again, we quite often refer to that as a trinity, right? But all three of them that are working here together. And Peter, and just in that opening, pulls that all together, the, the importance of all three. And even though they have different functions, they are all three, they are all the same. Again, he pulls that together here. And he makes a reference of sprinkling of the blood. Again, there were Jewish believers among that. Peter was a Jew. He doesn't deny that. And so that's a reference to the Old Testament. And Peter does that quite often. We'll see that throughout the book. So that have that flavor to it as well. But again, that should resonate. The, the blood, again, the part of the salvation, part of what we need for the payment of our sins. Verse 3. His great mercy. Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you. Who through faith and shielded by God's power until the coming of our salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Kind of went a little bit further than I was tending to, but it's okay because I think we can go back and kind of track through that. But again, praise be to God. He's thanking God for, what's he thanking God for here, really? Salvation, right? Salvation is through Jesus Christ. Praise be to God for that. We, we are thankful for that. Peter doesn't lose sight of that. In fact, I think Peter has a really good grasp on that, how important his salvation is, how vital that is. And again, that should change our perspective on how we go through life. Again, he kind of illustrates it here very through that, that new birth, right, into a living hope. Love those words. Again, if you underline your Bible, you might want to underline a living hope through our new birth, Right? And again, it's not that hope that's a wish. It's a hope of expectation, power. It's, it's to come. It's assured. Again, it's, it's sealed by God's power. It's, it's a guarantee. It's not a wish. It's not a whim. But it's a hope that we have. And again, it changes our perspective. It changes the way we look at life. It changes as things come upon us, how we handle them. But a living hope. Again, the key to that, that hope is through the resurrection. Right? Remember I told you we're an alien, right? We're just passing through. Right? In case you don't know this, this world is just temporary. But this is not all there is. There's something greater yet to come. And Peter longed for that day to be back with Jesus, to be in heaven. And that's what he's talking about. That's what he's alluding to. And we, we know that. We're assured of that through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
Because right? if Jesus had just died and that was the end, yes, he would have been a martyr, he would have been a great teacher, but there's no hope in that. That's a one and done. Right? The resurrection solidifies our salvation. We have that, that hope in our resurrection, living in heaven. It should excite you. Some of you are excited, and some of you are like, okay, I'm thinking about that for a minute. And that's okay, too. Also talks about another element here, something as if that wasn't enough. So salvation and heaven wasn't enough. Do you realize that there's even more that's promised to you beyond that? You know, talk about your cake and frosting and, you know, ice cream on top. of It's just piling on. There's more than just heaven. There's inheritance. There are things that come to you. There are rewards that are given to you. It is still important in how we live our lives as believers. You'll hear me say that. Peter says that throughout his word. It's important. Salvation is first and foremost important. But what we do with that and how we live after that is vitally important as well. And it affects our inheritance. It affects our rewards and, and what we will receive when we get to heaven. So that, the work's not done just at salvation. And that, that new birth, yes, we are a new life. Positionally, we, we, we move from one place to the next. We move from a destination of hell to a destination of heaven. We move from being unrighteous to righteous. There's a lot of things that happen at our salvation. But that's not the ending point. That's just really the beginning point from that point on, a new life. So again, Peter brings that out, and he's talking to that, and he's pointing towards that. And again, he's, he's excited about what's yet to come. Now, was things going great for Peter? Were things, you know, was it happy, go easy? Peter sitting back in a rocking chair on the front porch watching the, the, over the lake, watching the sun? No. Things were tough. Things were tough for these folks in these churches. Persecution was ramping up, actually. It wasn't getting easier. It was getting tougher. Again, being an alien is tough enough as it is. And again, being displaced is difficult. Not having things, not having even basic needs. Just barely surviving. And then under the constant threat that you could be tortured, killed, and, and the worst. But yet there's that hope. That this is not it. There's the hope of the salvation, the hope that we're going to be gone beyond that. And that's what Peter is bringing out in this. So he says, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Key word there, right? Trials. All right, some of you that have been here for a while, I'm going to pull out some cobwebs, right? Remember we did James a while back, right? Where do trials come from? Where? Satan? No, trials do not come from Satan. Life? Not life. Life, life happens and they're uh, from God? All right, some of you. Some of you got it. That's good. All right, that's all right. It's, it's, that, that's the challenge. It's, and again, it's been a while. Trials come from God. God gives us trials in life to produce perseverance. Peter's going to add to that a little bit more about what else trials bring. But trials are not of our own doing. Remember, remember the story of Job, right? 
He was a righteous man. Things were going well. He did nothing wrong. God allowed this Satan to give him trials. Where does temptation come from? Satan. There we go. All right. We're, we're back on track. I had me worried there for a little bit, but, but we all need those reminders too, right? Because you may be in a trial right now. I can't guarantee that in 2020, there's not going to be any trials. You may be in one right now. You may be about to come into one. You may just come out of one. But again, if we remember where they come from and that they are for our benefit, then God is doing a work in us. He's using us. He wants to produce something in us by using that trial. So again, Peter alludes to that here as well. And again, he says this trial, and it can be all kinds of trials. It can be physical. It can be mental. It can be financial. It can be emotional. There are a lot of different ways that Trials come upon us and they can affect us differently. Suffering through grief, suffering from a lost loved one or losing someone, losing something. But again, trials are from God. They have a purpose. And in verse 7 here it says, These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise Glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Interesting huh? how he uses these phrases, right? Going through that trial is going to refine you. It's going to pull some things off of you. I like to think of it this way. It's probably going to help you let go of something that you may have placed too much value on. At least in my life, that's happened a couple of times. I've gone through some tough circumstances, and it's allowed me to let go of some things that I had place too much importance, too much value. And, and God says, you know what? You, you're losing focus, Charlie. That's not what I want you to focus on. You know, I want you to focus on me. So I need to let those things go. I had my things out of order. My priorities were not in the right place. Your trials may produce something different, but probably similar in many ways. It's going to produce something. God wants to do something in your life. He wants to work through that trial. And again, just like gold, it has a lot of impurities. You have, to, you have to heat it up to get some of those things off. Right? There was an old saying, an old quote, right? If you want to find out what someone really believes, put some pressure on them. It'll come out. I got to see a little bit of that. We, we actually flew out of Minneapolis on, on our way home on, on Christmas, and the flight took off. It was great. No delays. Everything was going fine. We reached Logan. We were actually about five minutes early landing into Logan Airport. And we were on the runway, and all of a sudden, the, the pilot comes on and says, oh, we have a slight delay. We don't have someone to take the other plane off the gate. You're the, we're the last flight, so we're going to have to put you out on a remote runway, and you're going to have to wait a little bit. should only be about 15, 20 minutes, something that bad, and off so we can unload. Okay, I mean, it's only been, it was only a little about two and a half hour flight. It wasn't that bad, and, you know, it's, it's fine. We can wait 15, 20 minutes. Well, 15, 20 minutes turned into... An hour, he comes back on again, he apologizes, and that hour turned into an hour and a half. Can I tell you, with a bunch of New Englanders, most of them were New Englanders on that plane, an hour and a half sitting, it wasn't pleasant on there, and things were not very calm. The pressure was getting turned up, the heat was getting turned up, and guess what? People were letting it out. I heard a lot of four-letter words that I don't hear often, but I heard many of them. And people were angry, people were upset, people weren't listening at that point. Right? Because they tell you, you've got to have your seatbelt on, stay in your seat. Ah, now after about an hour, not with New England, their seatbelts were flying off. People were getting up and going to the bathroom. They were wondering why the students weren't giving us drinks. 
Things got heated up in there. Now, that's just a small microcosm, but isn't it the same for us? Sometimes when we go through those trials or we get those pressures, I also have a confession this week. I already hit my horn once since I've been back. Confession. Guy in front of me, the light turned green. He didn't go right away. I hit the horn. I apologize in advance. I didn't get to tell him personally. Uh, I don't know what was going on, why he was delayed, but it doesn't matter. It was on me. But sometimes we, we, we react or we respond in those pressure situations, and it shows what we really believe. I think Peter here is harking us, hey, if we believe in that salvation, we believe that we are going to heaven, we believe in that hope, then we need to respond differently. We need to look at things differently. We need to look at our world differently. It's bigger. It's, there's a lot more in it. There's, there's people that are lost. We're actually talking about that at the men's breakfast, right? We're talking about expectations, right? We cannot expect a non-believer to act like a believer. Sometimes we even get to points where believers don't always act like believers, but certainly to expect a non-believer who does not have that, who's not been reborn, to act like a believer is, is unfair. It's not going to happen. You're going to be disappointed. And it should spur us on to share the good news that we've been given. Share that in love. All right, we'll go on here a little bit more. Interesting here, he talks about Jesus and he goes, though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him. And you are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you're receiving the goal of your faith, saying, hey, salvation of your souls. Interesting phrase, right? But he's saying, hey, you don't even see Jesus. You weren't even there with him. Again, Peter's speaking from a point of, he was there. He was under Jesus' teaching. He, he witnessed the crucifixion, the resurrection. He goes, you, you folks weren't even there, but yet you believe. As reference, Jesus even referenced that. Those who, who don't even see him, that believe there's an extra blessing in that. Right? Again, where we are and where God's placed us, we weren't there either. But there's, there's joy in knowing that that's a fact. It happened. It's true. We can be solidified in that. We can take comfort in that. Those things happened just as they were told. And again, it solidifies that salvation, that, that through Jesus Christ only in his resurrection that we are born again, that that's where our salvation comes from. He goes on to explain a little bit more here in verse 10. It says, concerning this salvation... The prophets who spoke of the grace that was yet to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and the circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted his sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you. When they spoke of the things that have now been told to you, by those who have preached the gospel to you, by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, even the angels long to look into these things. Right? A little bit of history lesson here. Paul is, I mean, Paul, Peter is going back to the Old Testament. He says the prophets were predicting this. Things were yet to come, right? 
We just went through the Christmas season, right? And a lot of the, the scriptures in Isaiah and Jeremiah and, and those other, they point to the coming Christ. They didn't see him. They, 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 they had no knowledge of what exactly how it was all going to unfold. Yet they predicted because God gave them those words, not only how he was going to come, but many of the details. The virgin birth, where, who, what line, his genealogy, all those things, those facts solidify that he is the Messiah. It points to what's yet to come. Ralph, I'm going to pick on you. said this yesterday. I wish I read the Old Testament first because then it helps me understand the New Testament. This is one of those passages that does help with that. Again, the Old Testament continually points to Jesus Christ and the need of the Savior and who God is and what he wants for us. Peter's bringing that out. He says the prophets long to see what you see. The blessing that you are where you are right now in life that you get to look back on and see how God's been faithful and how he's done these things. They didn't have that. They hadn't come to that point in life yet. Point of Jesus' life. It wasn't part of who was yet to come. And it says even the angels longed to look. The angels were expecting it. They were just waiting. Hey, I mean, you can imagine. They're probably like sitting around, God, God, is today the day? Is he coming? No, not yet. Is he coming? Is he coming? No, not yet. And just imagine that anticipation. And again, Peter, I think, is putting this here for us to, to remind us that we should almost have that same expectation of Jesus' return. And that hope of being with him. It could be in an instant. It could be down the road. We don't know. But that expectation of what's yet to come. So that's just a taste of First Peter. Again, this morning kind of lays the groundwork for what we're going to be looking at over the next couple of weeks. And, but I want to, as we take communion this morning, it's a great reminder of how important is your salvation to you? you know, take reflection. It's a looking back, looking forward type of Sunday, right? It's the first Sunday in the new year. But how important? Do you remember back when you first got saved? Now, maybe it's not been that matured yet. You say, all right, I'm still trying to figure everything out. And that's okay. You haven't matured yet, and, and it takes time. It takes putting things into practice. Maybe you've been saved for a long time, and you've kind of like taken it for granted. And that can happen with believers, and you, you kind of lose the remembrance of that and how important that was. Again, this warns a good chance to reflect back on that. Maybe it's a chance to take a, a look back and say, you know what, I remember some of the people that shared that gospel with me. And you know what? I haven't done that in a while. You know, someone, if they hadn't done that for me and I don't do it for someone else, am I missing out on a blessing there? Am I missing out on part of that inheritance? I'll make it clear that sharing the gospel, there's, there's a reward for that. There's a blessing for that. Whether they receive it or not is not, because that's not up to us. But the sharing part is vitally important. But how important is your salvation? How important is to you this morning? And what are you going to do because of it? So we'll be looking at the next couple of weeks and the challenge and a good chance to be reminded of that this morning. Bow with me, please. Oh, gracious Heavenly Father, we do thank you so much for dying on the cross for our sins, for a payment that we could not pay on ourselves. That in your great love that you sent your Son, 
died for us. Lord, that you rose him from the dead, Lord. That he is resurrected. We serve a living, active, and wonderful Lord. Lord, that you allow us to take part in that. Part of that salvation, Lord. That we become heirs to you. Lord, we thank you for that. May we never lose that. May you continue to remind us of that. Lord, may you also put that burden on our hearts, Lord, to, when given the opportunity and we see the door open, that we would be bold enough to step through and to share the good news. Prepare for given. But help us to do that. Help us this morning as we prepare for communion and we remember that time. And Lord, help us not to forget that we are just passing through. That you bless us with the gift of heaven for those of us who believe. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.